This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is not our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, uh, James Pearce. He is having a lovely day off back in Bath near Bristol. However, I'm joined by three luminaries, starting with Sean Bradbury. Hi, Sean. Hello, Ian. How are you doing? I am a little bit tired, but, but you know, it's good. Sun's, sun's up, you know, weather's nice, Liverpool won. And uh, also joining us is Dan Kay. Hi, Dan. Hello there, Ian. How are you? I'm still the same as I was literally about 10 seconds ago. Good How are you, know. though? Even better than that, please. Excellent. And finally, last but very much not least, it's Kiva O'Neill. Hi, Kiva. Hi. How are I'm you? I'm not going to ask you how Okay, you but how are you, though? <laughs> I'm good, yeah. Excellent. Now, Dan, I know that you were at the game yesterday. Liverpool played Cardiff. Lovely sunny weather. It was indeed. Yeah, very tense game, certainly in the first half. But Liverpool got the job done. 2-0 goals from Jeannie Wijnaldum and a James Milner penalty after Mohamed Salah. Or Salah. We never even got to spot with this. How do you pronounce his surname? I've completely forgotten now. Is it Salah? It up each part. Yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. Keep it on yeah. my toes. From yeah. the Egyptian. Uh, he won the penalty. Uh, Liverpool won 2-0. They're now on 88 points. That is the highest ever points tally in Premier League history, I think. There's only two seasons, I think it's off the top of my head, where they've only got more, even when they've adjusted for uh, three points for a win. And the fact that there's some seasons where they play 42 games uh, rather than 38. Um, it's all looking good, isn't it? It is. I mean, I keep having this go through my head all, ever since yesterday. 80, how can we not be champions with 88 points? You know, the teams have won Premier Leagues in the last 10, 15 years with points tallies in the 70s. And, you know, we are, you know, we've still got three games to go and we've got 88. But I'm determined not to let whatever kind of sense of grievance that, you know, on that aspect of it spoil what has again been another great day out with the Reds. And one of Jurgen Klopp's comments after the game kind of struck a chord with me, really. Um, I can't remember exactly the way he put it, but it was something on the lines of, if people are just completely fixated with this holy grail, then they're kind of getting it wrong. You know, our motivation is to give our supporters enjoyment and that is absolutely what they have done not just all through this season all through last season as well you know it's it's an absolute joy to be a Liverpool supporter at the moment now we all feel we deserve some silverware at the end of it and please God we get some but if we don't you know the memories that they've given us this season last season and hopefully going into next season as well because I think I've said before one of the main one of the things I, I'm loving about this season so much is that it feels like an extension of last season. It's not just one Bosch year in isolation. And you look at how young this team is and how hungry they are, that there's no reason to assume that whether they win one trophy, two trophies or zero trophies, they're still not going to be right at it next season as well. I mean, Sean, that is the difference, as Dan says, from maybe the 2013-14 season where you got the impression this was the, you know, the one hit at it, what with Gerard was coming to the end of his career, uh, Luis Suarez was, it was, you know, it's kind of obvious that he was, he was going to be going mm. at some point sooner rather than later. You don't really get that impression with this Liverpool team. As Dan said, it's a continuation from last season, Champions League final, it's more progress. And Jurgen Klopp has said one or two times in the past about, not to mention the holy grail of sorts, but saying that it is about the journey He's a, he's a big believer in it's about how you get the obviously he wants to, to win the league he wants to win the Champions League but if Liverpool do fall short and you don't really want to dwell on that at the moment mm. but as Dan says they are creating these memories for supporters they are it's so enjoyable I'm talking to somebody who covers Liverpool this has probably been arguably the most enjoyable in terms of watching football and the amount of you know, drama that's that's happened during the course of the season at the right times. It's been the most enjoyable to cover them. Has this been one of the most, if not the most enjoyable, to watch them irrelevant, regardless of what happens in the last couple of weeks? I think it has, but uh, there's, there's a but there, which is 
just the fact that for well, I'm not not that young anymore, but like people who haven't really kind of witnessed Liverpool win the, the league, mm. um, it has happened in my lifetime, but not you know in, in in the sense of I've been watching the Reds and kind of following it. I think that that tension and nervousness is is there, and you can't really do away with that. I don't I don't see how you can. But I think yesterday was a case in point because I was in the office here, um, kind of you know working on it with what you guys were, were sending back from the game and. I certainly at half time was thinking, oh well, this, this is massive now. This is a huge forty-five minutes that you know everything they've done up to this point in the season could kind of all fall away in, in a half. Such as the the kind of the pressure on this incredible uh, title race. But I, I think in terms of the enjoyment and and that attitude, it just it, it just does not show with the players. That I didn't see any signs of nerves from them. You know, there's a couple of big 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 chances in the first half that weren't taken. I think all of the front three had at least a half decent chance, and uh, none of them were put away. But in terms of what you guys have said so far about this this team looking different, it's it's in those moments for me where it it, it really hits home. You know, after twenty twenty five minutes of the of the second half, Liverpool were in front, and then they, they kind of tightened the grip on the game, got another one. And it, the last ten minutes as well, I think that was the way they saw the game out was was a hallmark of this Liverpool team, and that's very much different to the thirteen fourteen team, even the team last season. You know, you wouldn't necessarily trust Liverpool with a one-two goal lead to, to see out in such a professional manner. I think that the very fact that Liverpool have started winning two 0 quite routinely, like that was doesn't really seem like a like a Klopp score. West Brom last season, yeah, a good yeah, example. Yeah. Especially yeah. with two yeah. 0 obviously being the most dangerous lead to have. Well, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but you know, look, looking recently at Chelsea, Porto um, earlier in the season, like that that Wolves performance where that was one where I thought this, this is really good. This is a team who are going to be able to grind out games and you know get one or two and, and do what they need to do. Um, but yeah, in terms of in terms of enjoying it. Six or seven games left, hopefully, and it could be it could be one of the very very best Liverpool seasons. I mean, Keeper, has it been uh, a case of Liverpool have been learning from their experiences of last season, earlier this season? Worth James Milner said something before the Porto game. Actually, it was where he said that when we have a tough ten fifteen minutes, we know we can get through it because we have done already. They didn't really have to get through that against Cardiff. There was maybe one or two minutes where where, where Cardiff threatened, but they didn't seem to panic. They didn't seem to you know push things too much in the second half and I think lately they've had quite a lot of games certainly in the, in the Premier League where they have scored the winners in the second half I think we've learnt more obviously we've only lost one game so you can't learn a lot from that it's only one game I think the draws have been the main thing for me particularly the United and Everton back to back that was like a real, it felt like a real hammer blow didn't it to what mm. we were trying to do and I feel like now they know there is no letting up City are just going to keep winning we've just got to keep winning as well. And I feel like those games were the games where Klopp would have said to them after them, like, listen, we need we need to turn them chances and their moments into into wins and into points. And I think we would have definitely learnt more from that because obviously we haven't lost, which has been great. Like Dan said at the beginning, it's just, it's so hard to see us on 88 points and not be Premier League champions. Like you've seen PSG and Ju- Juventus wrap up their respectively titles at the weekend and you know sort of had a little glimpse of like Emre Chan and stuff like that and you, you sort of like Coutinho last last season when he won, won La Liga and you just kind of look and think oh, these these players we've got they just deserve it like you know obviously Chan's left the way he did and now he's like Serie A uh, champ and stuff and I just wanted so much for these players because they've put in so much and I don't know. Everyone just keeps saying they're just such a boss set of lads, aren't they? You feel like, you know, these these are the... They just need to win something because they deserve it, I think. And know. we do as well, yeah, I think. You know, I definitely. think the support they've had, and I think, you know, I'd like to think the players would be the first to say that. You know, it has very much felt like we are all part of the same thing and they've kept us going at times and we've kept 
them going at times and I think we all deserve something but you know football and life you don't always get what you deserve and that's why they've, they've just got to kind of keep keep the cracking keep the nose to the grindstone for as long as you know the the prizes are up for grabs the other way to look at it is City have got 86 points and they're obviously thinking oh, 86 points we should be hang on a minute there's this team that's still above us what on earth is going <laughs> yeah. on here you know for, for them it's been a, a different kind of test because last season they had more or less the same points and just walked it towards the end they're not been able to do that this year and, and they've gone out of the Champions League exactly the same place as they did uh, did last season that's down to Liverpool, as Keeb was saying, as you were saying. They've just been pretty relentless, haven't they? Have you ever seen a Liverpool team that's been quite as relentless in the sense that they're doing it without the knowledge that they can win stuff? Because mm-hmm. the teams in the 80s and the 70s, when they were steamrolling, they yeah, had that, that confidence. Yeah, they knew, they knew it, yeah. what they had to do and they knew they could do it. I'd this, say is maybe, this, this is a team that doesn't. Maybe the only example I would or the parallel I'd maybe draw to it would be possibly that treble team in 2000, 2001 that was largely a newish team, a mm. youngish team. That all right, yeah, they they obviously lost more than one league game, but they didn't. Yeah, you know, most of that team, I think maybe a few of them would have won the league cup against Bolton six years before. But you know, that, I think I think they played sixty three games that season and obviously finished it off by winning four nil at Charlton to clinch a Champions League place alongside the three cups that they won, but. As we got to this stage of the season, March, April, May, there were big games virtually every week and you kind of thought, can they keep going to the well again? And they did. And that's what this team keep doing. So hopefully they'll similarly end up with needing to get the Brasso out of the uh, the cabinet in sometime soon. Sean, what, what's your emotion then through these last couple of weeks? Has it been nervousness? Has it been excitement? Has it been trepidation? Has it been I'm watching all the games th- from behind the back of your sofa if you're not there or watching it from behind whoever's sat in front of you? I think it has been nervousness, like like I said before, certainly compared to what it looks like the the, the players are going through because they're, they're just going about their job so relentlessly and professionally. I've yeah, been been pretty nervy about it. But to be honest, the, the, the other thing is just been marvelling at the fact that Liverpool are competing on, on two fronts for, for the two biggest prizes that, that they could be possibly going for. Because it, it just does not happen, does it, in terms of teams... How many teams in the Premier League here have won, have won the league and also the, the Champions League? United, United it did it twice. United have only done it once. Uh, did they win the league in 2008? Yeah, they did they? Double, okay, yeah. yeah. So but, they're the only team that has done it. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's just... I think what Liverpool stand on the brink of is 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 unbelievable. Obviously, you know, you could um, say the same as City until until they went out and pressure told in the Champions League. Um, I think it's it's just... It all comes down to these last few games, doesn't it? But but I wouldn't I wouldn't lose sight of the fact, like like has been said earlier in the pod, that... This this team will will come again for, for for seasons to come. I think Klopp's Klopp's been quite firm about saying that a few times. He's he's kind of um, reinforced that message because it's absolutely true in terms of the the age of the squad, the profile of them. Um, so if things if things do go wrong this season, there's, there's there's still a hell of a lot to build on. I mean, Kiwi, you didn't watch the game in the first half, did you? Was it a family meal? <laughs> so I was just listening to it on the radio, which is quite quite difficult. Um, but. When I went to the pub, then after that, we found a pub that was showing it, thank God. That must have been hard. Yeah. I know, <laughs> so difficult. Pint glass, yeah. um, and I was I found myself, like, for that, until when Aldham scored, emotionally preparing myself for it's over. Like, it's sort of mad. I've been doing this for the past few games. You kind of go, okay, this is it. Like when we didn't, it was 1-1 with Tottenham. You don't think that's going to happen at the end, but you hope there's a hope in your heart, obviously. And the players just, like you say, draw from that well and they just keep getting us there. But I do find myself a little bit going, okay, so we might not win the league. And I've just seemed to have to prepare myself and then we win again and then we go back top. So 
I feel like it's going to get down to that point where we either do or we don't. And we've just got to be like, you know what? It's, it's been a great season, whatever happens. I mean, we have reached the stage now, though, where any mistakes, and that's it. We've got so yeah. few games left now that there's no... Because if Liverpool don't win a game, then your City have to not win two games. Or and lose that, a game. Yeah. Oh, that's yes. that's quite clearly for yeah. that, not not going to happen. In fact, no, they'd have to they'd have to lose one and draw one because the goal difference is so yeah. The, the, it the, six, yeah, it's six not the battle unless we on Friday. That could happen, like yeah, it could happen, but unlikely. So we have got to that point, now, haven't we? And, yeah. and the pressure now, though, because the Huddersfield game. Let's be brutally honest here. Of all the games that both teams have had over the last couple of weeks and the weeks to come. Huddersfield at home, you would have to say, is the easiest fix of the whole lot because they are relegated and are, certainly in terms of points, one of the worst teams to ever mm. play in the Premier League. That's just fact, right? That's not being presumptuous. That's a game where Man City will go, Liverpool are going to win that. Mm. And Liverpool would have to look at it in the same way. I imagine there'd be one or two changes in the team for that game. So the pressure now, over the next week, is all on Man City because they have United on Wednesday, which we will come to a bit later on, and then they've got Burnley away. Which Arnie, and the other thing that people are forgetting is that City's four games that they got left, three of them are away. Yeah. Yeah, the um, the point you made just before about kind of like, you know, there's, there's absolutely no margin for error now because there's the, so few games left is true. But to be honest, you know, the, the, it's felt that way for a while because the bar was already set so mm. high. And, you know, just to pick up on what, what you asked Kiva before about, about well, it might have been Sean, about, you know, the how you were feeling when we didn't make the early breakthrough and it's nil-nil at half-time. I couldn't say I, you know, I was completely so laid back, I was almost horizontal, <laughs> we'll, we'll smash this, no problem at all. But I did feel definitely can't... I'd say even last week as well against Chelsea, that in previous weeks, because I think what this team has shown in the last couple of months, certainly the last, the last, certainly the last three or four weeks, is that they've got this... You know, they, they will go to the end for as long as it takes. And, you know... Mm. The, the Fulham and Tottenham games in particular, well, the Fulham, Tottenham and Southampton, hmm. which I think, certainly Tottenham and Southampton, which was the start of this kind of batch of games, I think we all looked at it and thought, this, you know, these two, these three with, with Chelsea at home added on with a real, that's kind of, kind of really going to determine, are we in this for the long haul? Um, and those Fulham and Tottenham ones, with the setbacks that we had in the second half, you know, we all absolutely did fear that, you know, is it not going to come? And you could argue, you know, right, they might be a bit, they might have come a bit scruffily with an own goal and a penalty, but they did. And I think this team has earned our trust in that, you know, if they haven't, if a game isn't won by eighty-five, they're not just going to jack it in and say, ah, oh, well, we give it a go. They will keep going until the referee blows that final. Who does that them. remind you of? Liverpool teams in the seventies and eighties, and United and, in the nineties. Well, exactly. yeah. When you winning you just it's and, a hallmark of all successful teams, isn't it? That refusal to admit defeat, and that's also in the mind, Sean, of the opponents. Because they're exactly. thinking, oh no. And then people, I remember I did John Aldridge's column the other week and he said basically that you could tell when you were playing these teams that it gets to like 90 minutes and suddenly they just have this change of, well, maybe not 90 minutes, but towards the last five minutes, the change of mindset where they're thinking, oh, hang on a minute, the, the score is whatever it is, maybe they're winning or maybe they're drawing. We, we could get something out of this game and everything just changes because they know that the opponents, whether it had been Liverpool in the 80s, United in the 90s, 2000s, are capable of getting those late goals. Absolutely, I think Klopp said, hasn't he? It was something like you know the, the momentum and these chances are no are no coincidence, and you've seen it happen time after time in games this season from quite early on in the season. But if you keep going and you're in the right areas and you're, you're plugging away in, in the opposition's box, you're gonna lucky little breaks and things like David Garigi's goal, um, the Alderweireld one against Spurs, that they're, they're gonna happen. Um, yeah, and you know it's 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 happened for City as well. I think last season they had, they had the 
a did a lot of where, start of the season. Oh, did yeah. they score a lot of late goals? Christmas time, wasn't yeah. it? The three or four yeah. back to back, yeah. Yeah. early so, December, I think. But you, you know, you spot on in the other ones that you mentioned. United, obviously, in, in the Premier League era, the ones where it, it, it most immediately springs to mind. But yeah, in, in terms of the psychology of it all, and like what we were talking about with regards to City, I think it'll be interesting after after Wednesday, which you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll deal with separately. But for the next two games, I think Huddersfield's on the Friday. And now the Newcastle game's been moved. I think Liverpool played before City a couple of times, don't yeah. they? Which be interesting to see how that kind of shapes it as well. I mean, Kiva, did you enjoy listening to that first half on the radio? Not particularly. <laughs> <laughs> I think the radio intensifies everything, doesn't it? It feels like... Everything's right yeah. next to the goal, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Everything's, everyone's going to score and everyone's going to make mistakes. <laughs> just like, this is the worst thing ever. I mean, it, so it, the radio is very old school, isn't roast it? dinner. <laughs> the radio is very old school, isn't it, Dan? Why do you, you make it? Is that some kind of an inference about my senior status? Is uh, it? No, You're but it is, me, it, it is an inference that we were discussing it just before we <laughs> well, did we the were, podcast. No, <laughs> genuinely, I do like listening to games on the radio, and obviously, we all kind of in, the, in this day and age occasionally stream football matches on the internet, even though we're not, we know what's. We know we're not supposed to. It has become a bit more difficult, I found, in recent seasons. And occasionally, rather than faffing around and missing half the game, I'm quite, I quite, I'm quite happy to put the radio on now and. Maybe it's because that's how I grew up listening to football. You know, in the eighties, before every game was kind of sports beamed report. live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kiva just looking as if to say, "What on earth?" <laughs> <laughs> Mum, she can't watch the games through nerves, so she'll really? listen to it like low in the on the radio. Yeah. Low, I like yeah. that. That's a nice touch. <laughs> and, like, and, and, and then she'll like put it down if like it's not going well. Hide it up if it is. And she's just like doing that while she's like pottering about the kitchen. She's always done that for years. I think particularly the local radio as well. I mean. The because um, obviously they're a bit biased and they kind of you know they're jubilant if you want them to be jubilant and sympathetic if you need them to be sympathetic. sympathetic. Um, but I, I've, I've often thought that on the radio they paint more of a vivid picture. They have to. Now, they, they, they that's the skill. Have to, that's the skill, isn't it? They, yeah. they have to because obviously you can't see the pictures. But I, I suppose it's just it's kind of instilled in me. I've been doing it for so long. I can understand how maybe kind of people of a more modern generation they kind of like it can find it a little bit misleading and and. And, and harder to kind of get, get your head around. There could be no shots on target for a half, yet it feels like there's been a <laughs> <Yeah>. thousand. Like, <laughs> it's one of them. Because well, you're, you're almost interpreting the crowd noise quicker than what the commentators are actually telling you. But sometimes yeah. it's easier to kind of get a sense of what's happening from that before your brain can actually process the words the commentators are saying. But um, now I've, I've always been a big fan of, of radio. Sure. I don't listen to a lot of football on the radio, uh, to be honest, but I'd quite like, obviously, cricket is, is fantastic uh, on the radio. Listen to tennis a few times on the radio. Yeah. On tennis, one, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I know, but it's kind of like... I've listened to a Wimbledon final on the tennis, yeah. yeah. Listen to big fights on the radio before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Boxing, boxing's great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. so other sports for me. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, well, let's just deal with two, three, a couple of things that came out of the game on Sunday. First one, the penalty. Never. Now. He dived. Um... <laughs> <laughs> It's a penalty, is it not? I mean, I've just shared something uh, this time from ex of this parish, Simon Hughes, who mm. obviously you know well. Doyle writes for the Independent. He gave me he gave me a lift home, in which we found what out. Nice we, we we found out that we were on the way home. There was me, Neil Jones of Goal, and David Lynch, the Evening Standard. Mm. And uh, as we were whiling away the hours, uh, we just friends. yes, my my journalistic <laughs> chums. Um, as we were whiling away the hours, he, uh, we we discovered that. By playing a CD uh, in in Simon's radio, it was in fact a Christmas CD. So wow. uh, it hadn't that's it hadn't been removed since before Christmas. So we were we we basically serenaded ourselves with Christmas songs on Easter. 
You might so. have still been holding on to the top of the league whole thing. <laughs> cool story, bro. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, going back to oh, Salah's penalty. <laughs> no, I, I, I thought you were trying to make me forget what I was about to say, which just happened with, with irritating regularity, but no. So uh, Simon made the point in this piece, and it's, to be honest, it's something that I've been kind of saying for years. This is the, this is the quote from, from his article. It's a really great article, actually, about Salah in general. English football culture frowns upon diving, but it, but it, it, but it invites the phenomenon because it, because it so often fails to recognise a foul unless the player falls. And to be honest, I've been saying, I've probably mm. bored Sean to tears by going on about this for years well, and years. You're not wrong, though. Basically, it's, it's a, the way things are at the moment is a charter for divers. And to, in, until players are rewarded for trying to stay on their feet, they will feel they've got no alternative but to hit the deck. Now, all right, eventually he does go down, but he's manhandled three times. And the referee could have blown for any one of them. But the reality is, if he hadn't have got, and I'm sure there's been at least two or three examples early this season, when he's trying to stay, I'm sure one of them might have been in the derby actually at Anfield. But he's trying to stay on, yeah, when he scored, when he scored yeah, in yeah. the end from that one. But when he's tried to stay on his feet, he hasn't scored, and we haven't got the foul. Afterwards, mm. people are going, "Well, he should have gone down." So, I mean, whether VAR will improve this situation next season, I don't know. But it's it was a penalty all day. Yeah, it's a penalty, isn't it, Sean? I, absolutely, yeah. I totally agree with what Dan says, and it, the narrative around it afterwards was was strange. It, um, I think Carragher was spot on because he was saying like Morrison has to have a look, little look at himself about what his own actions, what he, what he was doing. It was like Dan says, it was two or three incidents. You could have given two or three penalties there. Motion have a little, I've got a penalty card that he can play again because there was you know, there was a couple there. Um, and then yeah, by, by the end, it, it, he felt he kind of had to take a bit of evasive action. I don't think it was like massively theatrical. Certainly not as uh, as much as Neil Warnock was suggesting afterwards. But it's 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 what it is, and, and I think there's there's a bit of hypocrisy as well because. I think it was uh, Gary Neville afterwards was, was saying, oh, it's, it's messy, it's horrible, that they're both grappling with each other, which didn't think was true because there was only one, one man who had his arms around someone. But then you get pundits saying, I always think back to that Lovren-Calvert-Lewin one, mm. where they say, if you put your arms up in the box, if exactly. you give you know, the ref something to think about, then, well, th- that should apply, that should apply always. And, you know, I sometimes do think it's, it's, it's about who, who wins the penalty or who it is being fouled in the box that, that determines what's said about them. Um, and that was, yeah, it was just, it was just an absolute stick on pen. Kiva, was yeah. it a pen? And also, uh, what did you make of the first goal? Um, it was definitely a penalty, I think. Um, and like these say, it's really unfortunate for strikers. They get a bad name forwards for diving. But if they don't dive, the penalties aren't given. So it's like, you know, you've seen Salah not go down and not be awarded a penalty. So if that's my player, I'm saying, listen, you get contact. Unless you're clear on goal and you're going to score. Mm go down and try and win a penalty because you don't always get them anyway so you know it's a difficult one um, first goal really good hit it hit it really well didn't he Ginny and his second only ever away goal is it or- did we enjoy the league? Did we enjoy the what Klopp revealed afterwards about the fact that they'd worked it out between themselves at half time? Well, I mean, it got back, I think, about like half 10, 11 last night. So I kind of I watched a little bit of post match and a bit of match day two this morning before I came to work, but. I've seen some kind of parallel. Gary Neville had a big, massive rant about Man United and how rubbish they are after the game, didn't he? And how, <laughs> you know, you know, there's no leaders, there's no one taking responsibility in that squad. And I saw, you know, there's, there's a there's a you know a, a wonderful opposite going on with us in that not that you know the manager's getting ignored, but the manager trusts the players and the, tra- the players trust the managers to such an extent that the players can say, "Listen, you are. How about we try this?" Mm. And I mean, you know, I, I think. 
I don't know what side of the pitch you were on, Ian, but we, you know the away end was the opposite corner to where the corner was played in from. Yeah, that's from where we, yeah, was where the corner was taken. Right, yeah. so we on the other side basically. And when he kind of when he when he first struck it, I think there was all well, you know, a kind yeah, of groan he, from the way he thought he was going to the first man then. But from the sounds of you know from from what we've heard afterwards, it was very much played for. And he didn't half crack it beautifully. It was oh. a really, really sweet strike. Great contacts on the ball and it flew in. Good yeah. celebration as well, and, wasn't it? Well, th- yeah. this, this was going to be my point. I think, like like Keith and Dan said before, about the players deserving something and also the players being with, with the fans in this title race. Mm. Henderson's celebration of the week against... Um, what's the Southampton, 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 yeah. And this yeah. one, just they both went absolutely nuts and just like... I don't think they were even that too bothered about where everyone else was. Just big, big celebrations. Absolutely loving it. Pictures are great as well. Oh, yeah. oh fantastic! The yeah, sun shining. Oh, that one where Genie looks like he's kind of like sitting so in a little chair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just like a classic image. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant to see how much it means to them as well as it does uh, in the stands. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Wijnaldum obviously was playing in a different position to how he would normally play because the way things have been rejigged in midfield, he was playing the defensive role, which I think a lot of people forget. He actually started the season in, in when he was playing there because Fabinho wasn't playing. Henderson was overcoming what uh, affects the World Cup. But he just seemed to just step into that role straight away, didn't he? And that allowed Cato, I thought, had a very good first half. He did a job in the second half, but again, he, he, he tired a little bit. And Henderson, again, who seems to be revelling in playing a little bit further forward? There's probably a shout that Ginny doesn't get enough praise. Obviously, he doesn't probably score enough goals. And then when he does play in a more forward role, he's, it's, it's quite ironic that he scored when he's playing more defensively, mm. isn't it? Because, <laughs> you know, when we've seen him play for Holland and then a couple of games when he scored and he was playing more offensively and he scored and we, you know, the fans sort of said, well, why doesn't he do more of that for Liverpool? But I think, you know, he, he's just such a talented player football and he's been one of our standout players of the season but he, he sort of gets forgotten because he does a job that's so quietly done that he doesn't really he doesn't really need the praise almost like he's one of them players who just wants to win and he's just sort of there and even after the goal before what I seen of the game he, I love it when he gets the ball and he just sort of keeps it and he'll just run around like a couple of players with it and then dispatch it to whoever I, I just love how calm he is and that sort of breeds throughout the team, I think, and it's important to have a player like that in the midfield. Then it gives Henderson the opportunity to, you know, get forward and we've seen his resurgence and attack as well. So it's good to have, you know, obviously players who can do all the roles a midfielder. And a versatile. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it gives Klopp a lot of flexibility, a lot of options. Just going back to Wijnaldum, I mean, he, he's got tremendous physicality. He's a fantastic athlete. I remember his very, very first season... I might have been getting a little bit giddy and ahead of myself, but <laughs> I kind of compared him to Graham Souness. Now, I know, you know a lot of you know, even for people that don't necessarily like him as a person, one of the arguably Liverpool's greatest ever captain, greatest ever midfielder. So it, it was a bit of a mad child, but I only said it because even that early on, I could see that he just seems to have this kind of real all-round element to his game and a real kind of physical presence on the pitch. Um, and... I, I absolutely agree with what Kiva said. I think he's been an absolute cornerstone of our success, not just this season, but last season. I, th- I think Klopp's handled him really well as, as well in the last couple of weeks. I was going to so, say, is he benefited he looked, from having a rest? He looked, yeah. a, bit, he, he looked a bit leggy. There was, there was one game, in, it might have been Tottenham, when I think he did get subbed in the end, yeah. but it, but kind of quite late. I remember thinking he'd just give him a couple of weeks off because I, I, I haven't seen the numbers, but... I think for large parts of the season, he has been Klopp's go-to guy. He's played the vast majority of the games. I think if you look at the games against the top 
six and all the Champions League games. Mm. I think what what game did they play recently? Porto at home. We didn't play, did he? That's the game did, he was rested for. Did he for. play for Chelsea? I think it was he. Against Chelsea, I don't think uh, he's rested for that. I think he was, yeah. But Porto was first, was this? I think the Porto game. Yeah, I think he the, missed yeah. them too. I think yeah. the yeah. Porto game was the first one out of all the Champions League and games against top six opposition that he that he not yeah. started. He was the only one that started all of them up until that point. Well, that tells you how much the manager rates him, and and rightly so. But however much of a fantastic athlete he is, he's and however well yeah. trained and and how well he refuels, you know, the, the massively intense way that Liverpool play. Um, the fact that every player in this team and in this squad is putting everything into it every minute that they're on the pitch mm. means that the manager does have to manage their games and their fitness carefully. And yeah, we, well, we haven't heard for the, from the fitness egg for a while, have we? So that's <laughs> we I haven't actually. That, that's <laughs> a very good. That is a very good point. And another player who's been slightly under the radar but has performed what I think is actually really well over the last couple of weeks. Played well in Porto. Played well again. Yesterday, and that's Joe Matip. Mm. You know, Virgil van Dijk's obviously taken all of the uh, the plaudits. I thought he had a bit of a wobble against Porto for the first 10, 15 minutes, and Matip helped him out, which is, you know, paying back the favour that, you know, van Dijk has helped everybody else out for most of the season. And, well, van Dijk had a fairly comfortable game against Cardiff. One thing I always think is quite interesting when they play these kind of teams. They just try and miss him out. They just try and go, right, there's not even any point of us even trying yeah. to get past him. Let's just try and play around him or keep the ball away from him as often as possible or try and drag him out of positions. Target whereby, the other centre-back. Where, yeah, and then we can then target the other centre-back. So Matip's come under a lot of pressure in these games. Uh, couple, first couple of minutes, I think, uh, Nias had a run at him, kind of nearly got past him but ran the ball out of play. But apart from that, I thought Matip was excellent. He was reading the game well. He was getting in the blocks and... Even had a chance to just you know do his normal Messi esque runs that he's now has become a, a feature of his game. We going forward, the first one was good. The second one, they lost it, and he's like, he just went, I can't, be, not I can't be bothered running back, but it's a long way back there. I'm going to let my teammates try and cover for me, which they, which they did. But Matip, when you bear in mind that at the start of the season, you'd have to say he was the fourth choice yeah. centre back. Mm because Gomez had obviously come on. Lovren was amongst the top five defenders in the world, according to Dejan Lovren. Um, which, to be fair, he did play in the Champions League final, World yeah, Cup final, so I think he's... And he, yeah. and he had been in excellent form as well. Mm. So he was the man in possession. Gomez took it off him, and it took the injuries to Gomez and Lovren for Matip to get his chance, and he's taken it, hasn't he? Absolutely. I think it's a, it's a four-man fitness thing. that They go hand-in-hand, hand, because he probably hasn't had many spells for Liverpool where he's had this amount of games consecutive where he's been available, um, Matip. And yeah, initially, you know, it looks like whoever plays alongside Van Dijk, he's, he's such a good player that he's able to raise their game. But I think you're right, he has, he's, it's become more of a partnership rather than, you know, a, a senior man helping someone along. Um, and he, he, he does get targeted. It's, it's the same whoever plays alongside him and he's, he's responded to that really well. I think yesterday, like you say, about the, the maze he runs into midfield, he was getting them right and he was, he was fizzing some balls forward into the front three as well and kind of, almost starting off attacks, which was, was really good to see. And, and he looks a lot more solid and uh, kind of reliable in the air. I think that was always one of the things about a concern I had about Matip was does he have the necessary aggression to, to really kind of thrive as, as a centre-half? And like, is he going to win everything in the air? Well, yesterday he seemed to win almost everything that was thrown mm. at him. Um, he also needs a proper shaped head as well yeah, a bit of a 50p head at times doesn't he yeah. I think yeah, that yeah, was a bit better I, think I don't know how he's changed that against Porto there was one or two where he just headed straight back into where he just it just come from yeah. it's like please don't do that but you're right yeah no he's, he's he's been great and now I mean we've done a couple of pieces haven't we like what, what should Liverpool's team look like for, for the run in but 
I think Gomez has got a little bit of a job on coming back in. It's almost kind of slightly gone under the radar, the fact that he's returned, because there was a time when maybe a few months ago, a couple of months ago, you're thinking, well, please let, let it be as soon as possible. And obviously, it's, it's still great to have him back and have that depth, but the, the urgency of someone coming in to kind of replace Matip isn't there at the minute, which, which is great. Are you a fan of Matip and the way that he's not so much turned his career around, but he's reaffirmed his place because he cost Liverpool nothing, was it, nearly three years ago? So the, I think the talk at the time when Van Dijk, they signed Van Dijk and they were saying, oh, £75 million. It's like, well, Angley, it's £75 million for Van Dijk plus Matip. Yeah, which is crazy, isn't it? To think we got him for free and the job he's done the past few weeks. I, th- I think I said not long ago when he sort of started this run of games, the thing is with, Gomez is Gomez is young, so you can sort of mould him into the defender that you want him to be. That's obviously you've seen him at right back and in in the centre as well. Um, but with Matter, he comes with the you know years of playing and you know that sort of fraying into the midfield and going on runs. You can't sort of take that out of a player because you haven't been able to mould his career. Like Klopp hasn't been able mm. to have that say. But yeah, Van Dijk has sort of had that ability to sort of. I don't not make him look better, but help mould him, you know. And and I thought, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but you so, you can, and you've seen that. With wow. No, <laughs> me and Aaron living too. You know, because he, he's he's been playing for a long time, mm. and you think he's he's come to Liverpool, and you're not going to be able to like turn him into one of the best centre backs in the world, like we've got in Van Dijk. But he's he's playing alongside him, and he's doing the same job. He's keeping the same clean sheets. You know, and there's been some games yeah. when he's actually outshone Van Dijk. Yeah, yeah. well, he oh, got yeah. man of the match yeah, yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Award, let, let, so. Just let me tell you, Kiva, that you never stop learning, no matter what age you are. <laughs> no, but you I, never stop do learning. Do you think that's quite an interesting, you know, because Gomez is young when you can, like Kloppel mm. and mm. Van Dijk will mould him, but with Matherby, he's already come with his style of play almost. And, you know, he's, he's shown how style he's been really yeah I, I think he's really kicked on this season I mean to be honest I, I saw my arse with, with Matt at Wembley last year. can season. we say that I think we've just said it yeah. I think we've said worse <laughs> in this podcast to be fair <laughs> yeah. uh, Wembley last year when it was a mad game when we were two you know when Lovren got hooked off after 25 minutes and we were two down after 25 minutes and then it, all of a sudden we were two one down just before half time we could have been in front I've never seen a weirder half and then he he had this really weak header straight to Deli Ali who made it 3-1. And I was so angry that I think I don't want to see him in a red shirt again. And I was, to be honest, kind of quite concerned when Gomez's broken leg and Lovren, even Lovren's missing so much football this season. It's got to be a big concern. That's maybe another topic for discussion at some point. Matt has basically played the second half of the season mm. and has barely put a foot wrong and I think deserves enormous credit for that. I actually chatted to some of my mates on the way down yesterday was kind of half thinking, I wonder if maybe he might start Gomez against Cardiff. Just, well, sorry, well yeah, even yeah, against yeah. Cardiff. And yeah. then you could give me, you know, if you if he wanted to get Gomez back in the team for the running, he could have played him against Cardiff and Huddersfield and then he's got two games under his belt before Barcelona but and, and someone said yeah well I can see where you're coming from but that will be quite harsh on Matip and I agreed and with Matip you know, having played yesterday and played well I kind of think he's, he's, you know, he's, he's in there on merit I think Gomez is like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain in the sense that I think they both kind of accepted that they're probably not going to start a game this season if they do it maybe one yeah. or two if that certainly Gomez is obviously a lot further ahead in that sense now we will finish then with Manchester United against Manchester City, which is the game on Wednesday. You wouldn't normally talk about other teams playing, but let's face it, it's a bit of a large game for Liverpool. Uh, United were, let's also say, 
pretty crap against Everton from what I saw. Uh, got beat 4-0. Don't know why they were playing in the pink kit. That was just a bit weird. Um, Maybe that's why. Um, mm. Don't say that. Uh, it could be like, oh no, it could be like the grey kit. Remember the grey kit? Well, that, that is, yeah. wasn't, wasn't that pink kit based on their version of the football echo, the pink? Really? Yeah. Sorry, was. really? Yeah. I didn't know that. It was. <laughs> right at the start of the season, I think like 150th anniversary. And I remember thinking, we should have done that. But anyway, um, <laughs> Wednesday night, I, I, I've, I kind of, I, I don't want to think about it. I can't stop thinking about it. I don't want to watch it, but how can I not watch it? Do you really think it's that important? No. Well, yeah. Because because if Liverpool keep on winning their games, take it to the last game of the season mm. and then just see what happens there. Because Brighton well, might need to win to stay up. And I know you'd rather not do that, but ultimately Liverpool just have to concentrate on the games, which is what the fans have been doing. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. The players have been doing brilliantly. Absolutely. But there comes a point it's where City all, have to drop a point somewhere. It's not all on Wednesday. And you'd have to, you know, you'd have to be arguably have a bit of a screw loose to look at yesterday's football and then think that United were going to get something on Wednesday. However, football and life is littered with mad moments like that that defy rational explanation. So obviously it's a huge game. That being said, Burnley away on Saturday... Is it Saturday? Sunday. Sunday is, is no gimme for City. And the longer time goes on, I'm starting to get more of a feeling about Leicester and Brendan Rodgers. And maybe it's some kind of like divine retribution well, for 2014. Yeah. It's fans of narrative as the 2018-19 well, word of the season. We all been. love a bit of narrative. What's the word? word? Bottlers. Yeah, no one's talking about that. It's funny, that's gone, hasn't it? No one's talking about that anymore, are they? Because they just keep on winning every single game. No no single person's mentioned that. Well, and they're not talking about Tottenham doing it either because they've got the Champions League no. semi-finals. So. And, rightly, and I think, you know, whatever happens, I think both teams deserve credit for performing at a genuinely elite level all mm. season. Mm. You know what I mean? And whoever wins it, it's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal performance. United, Sean, have only lost one home game all season. And that was in August. In the league, that is. That's, 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 yeah, good. I'll, I'll cling to that. Um, well, I kind of agree with what Dan said at the end there because a lot lot of my time the last couple of months has been spent just looking at those City fixtures and thinking where is it they can drop points and I think the the more you do that the more you make a case for every single game which in in some ways has been obviously proven wrong like I I thought the Palace one was was a good shout Palace was never Uh, good well Palace never was and Tottenham never was I mean Tottenham basically went to Man City twice inside four days and lost twice Lost so twice that's exactly and, what you would expect well, it to yeah. happen, yeah. But after that, after their second half performance at Anfield, I kind of convinced myself they they had the chance. Um, so, like Dan says, this I think this is one of four, and and each one of them is is a bit of a different test. And like you said at the outset, only three three of their four remaining being away from home. I mean, if we've we've said this for months, Liverpool fans have been saying this. If if they keep winning, there's very little Liverpool can do about it. Um, well, there's absolutely nothing they can do about it. Um, I, I like what Klopp said actually after the game yesterday because he kind of threw it threw it down to United a little bit and was pretty dismissive of their chances. Yeah, um, I don't know whether like, you know, that'll be there'll be too much concern about that with Pogba and Co. But he was yeah, he was and and you know he had, he had every right to say that after the manner in which Everton uh, kind of swashed them aside yesterday. Um but we will see. It's there's 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 other chances. Uh, but obviously yeah, I think we'll we'll all be watching on Wednesday, hoping. Kiva, will you and be listening the, to it on the radio? Um, <laughs> in the car, yeah. Um I'll, it is a hard one. It's like one that you probably enjoy on the radio because Man United might sound better or Man City might sound worse. <laughs> you know, um, but Van Dyke's comments were quite interesting too. He was asked, like, you know, United need to do Liverpool favour or whatever, and he said they need to do themselves one. And they really do. Yeah. He, he's got a spot on there. Just a little, sni- a little uh, snippet that I picked up just before we came in here. 
I had heard a few, you know, a while back that you know, there is some kind of financial incentive for you know, United to make sure that they're in the Champions League for the players. Apparently, most of their players will be on 25% less wages if they're not in the Champions League wow. next season. So you'd like to think, surely that's going to make them Yeah, you pull see that with relegation battles sometimes, don't you? Where, mm-hmm. you know, the, the 50% wage cost or if not more. Although it must be said that a lot of those Manchester United players will be at Manchester United next season if, well, if, if the club have got anything to do with it. So They've lost six out of eight games, though, yeah. do you know what I mean? They've just been humiliated by Everton. Yeah, and you if know, City win, it's not because United weren't putting in any effort, it's because City, like they have been with almost every other team this season, are better. better than them. Yeah. yeah, United fans don't want us to win the league. They obviously don't want City to win the league, but when it, when it kicks off on Wednesday, then players are going to, they're going to go for it like they did last season against City. You know, they're playing for pride and, it's like us playing against Everton. It's you, you know, it's your work colleagues. It's people yeah. you see every day, and mm-hmm. for them to be like, you know, if City win, I feel on Wednesday it'll give them such a big boost that them. I feel like they could just go and roll over Burnley, Leicester, and Brighton easily. We've seen them do it all season, so you sort of are holding on to United, not as Liverpool's last hope because Liverpool, uh, Liverpool's hope, aren't they? You know, but. I feel like Tottenham in this game were the ones where something could have happened, but obviously with Tottenham, you know, going through to the semi-final, I think that kind of... I I was hoping that City would go through just so Tottenham needed revenge and would... Mm. And they they weren't bad in the game on Saturday. I watched the second half and, you know, they they looked like they might have that penalty and stuff like that. City was so nervy and so edgy that last 2015. Mm. And, and the crowd was as well. Yeah. They, they looked really, look yeah. really yeah. sad. And yeah. that's the other thing is that they are playing again, aren't they? You know, they're playing on Wednesday. Liverpool yeah. aren't playing, so the, mm. the games keep on coming. I mean, is, is this... In some ways, does this remind you of when Liverpool played Blackburn in I was literally just about, about to say that to I know you there is an I example, wasn't there that the, day. But. There was an example in 2010. Liverpool played Chelsea, Chelsea yeah. but Liverpool at the time were pretty awful and they were going through the end of the end of the Benitez era mm. and they lost 2-0 Chelsea were probably going to win the, the yeah. title anyway but the, the more obvious example is the, the Blackburn when I was at that game yeah. and it's interesting because the reality is once that game starts you end up just going hang on what you know fans are going hang on what are we do we don't want to support Blackburn we want to support we paid apparently money to come and went, watch because Alan Shearer scored for Blackburn didn't he like midway through the there first were, half mid, and were, apparently there were little there were little cheers but yeah because some fans support cheered and others, and others like, yeah. yeah and then it was Barnes with the no it was Barnes Barnes equalised and then Redknapp with the free kick yeah. Barnes equalised and in those days there was no internet there was no all that kind of stuff, but there was radios. Funny enough, there was radios and people were like, listening to the to the games on the radio. Transistor radios, yeah. yeah. And of course, it was one all at West Ham, and Man United were absolutely battering West Ham. And then Liverpool scored, Redknapp scored, and it was like the, all the fans, Liverpool fans, were like, hey, you know, we've won. And for whatever reason, they didn't seem to realise that that didn't really make any difference by that point because. If United, United, if United, 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 United weren't win. winning, yeah, United, United weren't win, winning, and then yeah. literally about thirty seconds, you had this strange thing. The where final all, whistle went up, yeah. Part, didn't it? So all Liverpool fans are celebrating, scoring, and then the game just about to finish. Look it up on YouTube, kids. And Blackburn <laughs> are then celebrating because they've realised that they've they've won the league. So if, if you're United fan, basically the the example of that is they'd want to beat City and then Liverpool don't pick up all points in I mean, games. it couldn't have panned out more perfectly in that scenario, could it? And, and I guess if, if I was a United fan, if I was, if I was Solskjaer, I'd be saying to your players, listen, you owe, you owe your club, you mm. owe your supporters. Mm. And if you really have to look at it through some kind of Liverpool lens to make them feel better, you say, listen, there's every chance Liverpool could still 
slip up, even if we beat City anyway. Mm. But, you know, it, it, they're professionals. It's a derby match, you know what I mean? Could you imagine Liverpool playing Everton and think, oh, we'll just throw it today because... Form goes out exactly. the window anyway in that exactly. game. Yeah, so. it's their reputation as well. I mean, as I said before, if, say, City win 2-0 and United put up a good show, no one's going to be surprised because City are better than United. It's more if United throw in another episode, another performance like they did against Everton on Sunday, mm. that's when people start thinking, hang on, what was it? It would be seven in nine. It would be seven in nine, yeah. And Which Liverpool thinking, fans, if that does happen, can take some joy from that. United always. have been, you know, <laughs> just because they're not the team they were years ago, you know, we had to... It's just frustrating. I mean, you mentioned you know, the draw at Old Trafford earlier. And, you, know, you look at their form recently. And if that game, if we'd played them in the last kind of month or so, I'm sure we'd have beaten them. That, that's, all, that, that's often the case, though, isn't it? It's yeah. People always talk about... Had to do people that, people, people always talk about, you've got to play everybody twice, all the games are the same, but it's not. It depends when you play them. Yeah. Certain players could be missing, there could be certain form issues, this, that and the other, so... There you go. Anyway, that should do us. Uh, join us later this week. We will look ahead to Liverpool v Huddersfield while reflecting on Manchester United's 31-0-0 against Manchester City. Cheerio. <laughs> You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.